You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are going to be talking about things that happened through the first two seasons of the series. And this episode is a continuation of our discussion with Dawson about LGBT representation. The first episode covered Tony, because we had lots to talk about with Dawson about Tony. And this episode covers the rest of the characters. So moving on to Cosima and Delphine, or Cofine, or Science Girlfriends, as we like to call them. Why do they have so many names? Um, I now refer to my partner and myself as we are the social science girlfriends. <laughs> nice. I love it. Because I'm a sociologist and she's an anthropologist. But anyway. <laughs> That's spectacular. You ship yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Is that um, a bad thing? I'm not sure now. <laughs> I feel like if you're in a relationship with someone, you should ship yourselves for sure. Right. I know. Right. I was making a terrible joke, as I do. <laughs> I feel like that's a, oh. that's a good thing. <laughs> so Cosima and Delphine, who had like the least angsty coming out ever, Delphine, you know, their storyline last season was maybe more a little intertwined about their sec- about her sexuality, but not really. Not really. It like, was mostly like for a kind hot of, second, it was. For, I know. But it was mostly just about her falling for her subject, which she was not supposed to do, right? Or, or maybe she was. I know. Ostensibly, she was not supposed to do this thing. They didn't tell her she was supposed to. She is invested <laughs> now. Yes. And I liked that. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but we had, we had Marion Bowles use that same expression about herself in the finale. Mm-hmm. Where she says that she, like Mrs. S, is invested in the clone's well-being. I did see a really awesome fan art thing on Tumblr with the three of them that said invested. Nice. Did either of you see that? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. I want it. <laughs> Put it in the show <laughs> notes see. so I can find it. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, I, and Delphine had that great speech about bisexuality and how she'd never considered it for herself in episode 108, that that whole speech to Kazima. And so here's my question for you guys. So based on the fact that she says she's never considered bisexuality for herself, that means she didn't watch the X-Files, right? It's a terrible joke because nobody's laughing. <laughs> I don't know what, what you're referring to. I'm yeah, sorry. No. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't get far enough in X-Files, I guess. Terrible, terrible. No, no, it's it's... I don't know how many times I've seen people referring to the fact that, like, they didn't realize they liked girls until they watched The X-Files and Gillian Anderson. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was getting at, and it was terrible, and oh. I'll probably edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, neither of you have seen that? People being like, no. oh, Gillian Anderson, she's one I knew. I have not I seen have that. I have not seen that. Mm-mm. Why am I the only one who's seen this? Anyway. I don't know. Side note, in that regard, is Tatiana Maslany the new Gillian Anderson? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. On both sides of the fence, because I can't tell you the number of times I've seen on Tumblr, I'm a girl and I am so gay, but Tony is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so we got we got Delphine's great speech about bisexuality, 
which is one of the few times the show has specifically addressed the the aspect of sexuality. And then we got Kasima having a great line this season where Rachel comes up to her and says, you know, so you're gay. And and she says, you know, my sexuality is not the most interesting thing about me. Oh, tactless Rachel. Yeah. Though it's like, uh, I, I like, I agree with, with Kasima because I don't want her to be reduced to just her sexuality. You know, I'm a queer person. I don't like introduce myself and say, hi, Steph. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm queer. <laughs> so it's not the most interesting thing about me. But at the same time, if I were maybe in Rachel's shoes and I was thinking about Kasima in terms of the clone experiment, I might think that, that her sexuality was pretty interesting in that regard, just because they're sort of interested in how the clones turn out differently from each other. Don't you think that's kind of Kasima's point, though? I'm not an experiment. This is not the most interesting thing about me. Stop treating me like an experiment. I was going to say, even if you were in Kasima's shoes, you wouldn't respond any other way than that, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm not saying that Kasima should have responded differently, but I could kind of see where if I were Rachel, that would be interesting to me as like a scientist. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I knew Dawson was going to have a different viewpoint. So I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> well, again, it's that whole going back to the what sets them apart. And I get that. Yeah. But yeah, it's still reductive. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it totally is. For sure. It totally is. There is way more interesting things about Kasima than her sexuality. For sure. Like her hairs. <laughs> like her hairs. It is interesting, and it it brings up some interesting science as well, right? Because I think that's one of the cool things about our from Black, in my opinion, is it brings up some cool science. Um, if people are not following Real Kasima on Twitter, you should be, because she's rad. But the sort of, I don't know, I've seen questions about, this is sort of tangential, but I've seen questions where people are like, wait, if they're clones, right, then how is there a trans clone? How is there a clone who's bisexual when the other clones are not, right? Isn't this genetic? And it, that's a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of how genetics work. So it's kind of cool that, like, it brings up those topics, right? It is interesting, mm-hmm. I guess. That's my point. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. Right. And I guess as a as a viewer, when they had Kasima on the show as a clone who was who um, was attracted to women, I was like, oh, they're kind of, you know, exploring this idea that because they're genetic identicals, they'll end up being exactly the same down to their sexuality. So she is sort of, like, interesting to me in that way. So it's a complicated line for me. Yeah, well, and there's a so the a sort of interesting thing about genetics, and um, this all, I'm not a scientist. Let me disclaimer this right now. I am not a geneticist. I just <laughs> like to read articles on this stuff. That there's some interesting stuff uh, in sort of how genetics works, that genetics is really like, it's a, it's a sort of starting point. But there's a huge amount of stuff that kind of happens. It's really about how likely or not likely you are to express certain traits. It's not right. sort of a one-to-one, like, obviously, as the show tells us, having the same genetics, even having identical genetics, will not result in identical people, exactly. You will be very physically, very physically similar, like twins, but the expression of those genes varies, and especially because the clones were carried by different, by different mothers, by different surrogates, that the expression of those genes will be different because the development has such your development in the womb and then when you're born and then over the course of your life can have huge impacts on how those genes express or don't. So that's kind of a cool thing uh, to me, at least. I think it's an interesting thing to explore. I did appreciate that in one of the earlier articles, I think it was, where they were addressing this 
that they actually did specifically mention womb chemistry as one of the influencing factors. Because mm-hmm. it's not something you normally think about. Mm-hmm. Because, it's, of course, I mean, in other circumstances, that wouldn't be an issue necessarily. So, other than clones. Yeah, and I think there's actually a, there's an article going around that was posted in, I think, io9. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's actually an article that they used a picture of Cassima and Delphine at the very top of. And it's about common misconceptions that scientists wish that sort of lay people understood better. And one of the things they, they talked about in there was this concept of there's the gene for something. And that's not really how it works. It's like they, they identify that there's maybe the sequence, which in this many percentage of cases is linked to this particular condition. But this idea that there's like a gene for X, that's not really how the science works exactly. Yeah, it's correlation versus causation. Yeah. And also brings us back to our tendency to be a reductive society where we want it to right. be simple and, you know, here is this gene and it causes this, but it's actually far more complex than that. Exactly. But Cosima and Delphine, you know, it's, I think it's really sweet. We mentioned this when we talked about our first season episodes. They kind of are, and for, especially in the first season, they're like our kind of traditional rom com type of couple. Even though, and they, and they just happen to be two women, and they still continued in the second season to have probably like one of the most stable relationships on the show. And I'm, I even though you know they had their ups and downs, I, I feel I'm really happy with how the show has developed their their relationship over the first two seasons. Right, and there was drama, and there were arguments, but there wasn't really ever a breakup or anything. Unlike basically every other show, right. <laughs> All your all your dramas tend to like break up the couples and have them make up over and over and over and over and over again. But I appreciate that that's not the way they're having this play out. That they have genuine issues, but a lot of the problems actually come from the fact that they care so much about each other, right? I mean, that's sort of the big issue is that Delphine so desperately wants Cosima to live. <laughs> that she'll sort of do things she shouldn't do or shouldn't do without asking. And that's what causes the tension in the relationship. It's pretty cool that they fight. I like that. They argue and it's not the end of their relationship, right? It's an argument. And I feel like you don't see that very often. Usually it's like, we fought and then we broke up because television and drama. But exactly. I like that they fight and then sort through it and carry on and figure things out. Because you can get angry with somebody. And really not like them for a couple of days, but you can work through it. It doesn't always mean you break up. What? But television (laughs) tells me the exact opposite of that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh, oftentimes on a lot of shows, they get kind of, it feels like they don't quite know how to deal with giving a same sex couple storylines that aren't wholly about the fact that they are a same sex couple. And I want to just point them to Orphan Black and be like, it's easy. You just give them issues in their relationship that would occur to anybody, you know? It's it's just Orphan Black, I feel like, is kind of like hitting other TV writers over the head with, why do you have an issue with this? Look how easy it is. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, right? Like, shockingly, if you treat these characters just like any other character, you'll get some great stories out of it, believe it or not. (laughs) And it could still be, you know, 
it is in the first season. I mean, it's a factor, right? The fact that Delphine's like, oh, wait, <laughs> what's going on? But again, it's something that can be resolved <laughs> without making it a huge deal. Yeah, without making it the focus, right? That you can acknowledge, you can not ignore the fact that <laughs> this is two women without making it the whole story, right? Like, this is how you do balance. Same thing with Tony, right? You cannot ignore the fact that he's trans without making that disorder. Pretty cool. Well done, Arkham Black. Good job. See what happens when you treat your characters like people? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. No, I I, I thought the the storyline that they gave for Delphine and and Cosima was actually like really relatable you know having having a loved one who is not necessarily sick but just in a bad situation and you want to help so desperately that maybe you do things that maybe aren't quite the best thing to do but you're just like so wrapped up in wanting this person to be better to be well i just i thought that the way that they did it was really relatable right sort of desperation versus consideration yeah i know people got mad at delphine i'm not saying she did everything right (laughs) but i understand right I will say, like, I also, going back to sort of Orphan Black treating their characters like people, they're, they both sort of do and say things that kind of make me cringe sometimes, right? And that's, that's good, I think, because <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how people are. We, we, we all are dealing with these things and just doing the best we can and we don't always do the right thing. And I like that. And, and that's where storytelling should come from, right? Which is what I like about it, that these, these, their struggles, um, are as much from inside their relationship and right internally trying to figure out how to do the right thing and not always doing the right thing and how do you work through that um, as they are from outside pressures of sort of dyad and, and clones and all of that stuff, right? There's there's all of those things. And that's what a relationship is actually like, shockingly. Um, <laughs> everything internally and then, of course, all the outside factors. Pretty, pretty sweet. I like, I love that they're sort of the core relationship of the show. Mm-hmm. That, and I love how they've juxtaposed them against um, Allison and Donnie, who have so many issues, right, and are in this sort of quote-unquote perfect suburban marriage. It's I I love seeing the the side by side. Yeah, Allison and Donnie have this very you know traditional like this is how marriage is supposed to look like quote unquote, and yet they have so many issues. I mean, it looked like maybe they could resolve them toward the end of the second season, but, but they resolved them with another huge issue in that <laughs> it was like hiding a murder, hiding an accidental murder is what brought them together. Chris, I like that. You're like the voice of reason. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> I realized that. <laughs> I know you do, but I, I felt a need to draw attention no. to it because, and that's what I love, though. I think that's great. This like this weird closure that they got from doing this horrible thing <laughs> together. It's just like it's so out there, but fantastic. And that's what you just said. Marriage is supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess that it kind of is, though, right? Like the the I meant more where we meet them at the beginning of the series. <laughs> I know, I know, but. But still, like your loved one, ideally would help you hide a body, right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, one would hope. <laughs> but I gotta mention when we're since we're talking about Cosima and Delphine, I was like a little confused slash boarding bordering on troubled, maybe the fact that we hear both Cosima and Delphine referred to as lesbians in season two, which 
I, I'm conflicted about it. I'm conflicted about everything, if you haven't already <laughs> noticed this. I'm conflicted about it because we, it seemed like in the in the first season, Delphine specifically, she refers to considering bisexuality. She never says, I am bisexual, but, you know, she does use that word, this idea she's attracted to men, but also attracted to women. And then Kasima has never really talked about her sexuality at all. But in the interim between season one and season two, I think Tatiana Mazzani and Graham and John referred to Kasima as bisexual. Mm-hmm. But in the second season, we had a lot of references, even where Kasima refers to to Delphine as having a career as a budding lesbian, which is just a strange line. I don't quite understand it. I was so confused by that line. I'm still confused by it. Yeah. Because what? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there was, and then uh, Felix says something about, I smell lesbians in my bed last night. And like, I get that, you know, this is kind of just everyday conversation. People aren't always are going to use maybe terms that are easier for them to use or more familiar, et cetera, et cetera. But I do worry a little bit about bis- uh, racial of, of bisexual people by using this word lesbian in re- regards to these two characters who otherwise we've had indications that they are bisexual. And I think there was some comment in an interview with Graham and John, I think, where they'd commented that, well, maybe at this point, because I think that there was some question of Kasima's sexuality or something like this. And so they said something about, well, maybe Kasima is considering... At a place in her life where she would call herself a lesbian. Right. Yeah. Considering redefining her sexuality as a lesbian. Like, maybe that's where she is. But again, they never address that specifically in the show. Right. And so, I mean, we don't know. So I'm not necessarily opposed to referring to Kasima that way. Because again, we don't actually have any in-show context. But... Yeah, Kasima making that statement to Delphine just confuses me. Just overall, it just confuses me. It's a weird line to me. I feel like this is such a complicated topic, at least in my head, because Mm -hmm. I have sort of two sides of it, which is I'm totally on board with, like, being concerned about bi erasure, which is so easy to do. It happens all the time, not just straight people erasing other people's bisexuality, but in the queer community as well, right? Like, Right. That happens all over the place. Um, so I'm totally like with you that I'm nervous about that happening. But there's another side of me that wants to acknowledge that sexuality is not necessarily a fixed, right? Either fixed throughout your life or fixed in terms of like, I have, this is who I am and now this is who I will always be or even that it's a simple process of uncovering. And I say that partially because it was not until after my transition that I was able to sort of deal with my attraction to men. And it was because there's, a, it is very different being a man in a relationship with a man than being a woman in a relationship with a man. And so like, I like the idea of people being allowed to kind of figure out their, their sexuality over time and the potential for that to maybe change. And maybe, you know, Kasima has never ever dated a man and, probably would identify as a lesbian and one day meets the perfect man and falls in love and gets married. Like, I don't know. Who knows? So I right. sort of, I, I waffle. I'm with you. I'm very conflicted because you can't, yeah. <laughs> how do you do both? And I don't know yeah. if there's a perfect way, but um, yeah, very conflicted. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in the exact same space because absolutely you're, I, I, how you identify changes and it's absolutely, you know, great and wonderful if, you know, maybe before Kasima identified as bisexual and now she identifies as a lesbian. Fantastic. But since we 
haven't really had any discussion of that in the show. I'm just kind of left wondering, hmm, what does this mean? And being worried that they're using the word lesbian and and erasing the fact that these characters identify as bisexual. Right. Right. I guess that's my my big issue, too, is that yeah. it's just those couple of comments without any further context for it. Mm-hmm. But especially for Delphine, because exactly because Cosima could identify as a as a lesbian for sure. But we've seen Delphine previously was you know in relationships with men, attracted to men, so had used the word bisexuality. <laughs> exactly. So she's the one I'm like most worried about, but I'm worried about both of them. <laughs> yeah, we worry too much is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's a complicated topic. Well, it's also right like you want to be able to just let them tell the story and like. That's a good joke, right? He's going to... I don't know. I thought it was funny. I laughed. (laughs) Right. I did too. But by the same token, right, we also want to be conscious of of the reality of of these stories we're telling having a lot of weight and a lot of impact, right? This is especially because there's not a lot of queer representation in our culture, especially on non-queer shows, right? This is not like... Mm -hmm. It's not a show for queer people, right? So Mm -hmm. I think we're all always sort of dealing with the moving targets of how do you represent people well and also like allow for the fact that i mean i i've made jokes like that right like with friends who are bisexual i'm like god you're so gay right and (laughs) it's a joke right and it's funny and we're all part of the queer community we laugh and i don't know but by the same token you want to be respectful to everybody and appropriately represent various groups and complicated as with everything we've been talking about it's sort of all about being mindful of these things right right yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not like angry at the show or anything. Like right, that. right. <laughs> no, no. It didn't come off. But it's just <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Good. Because you know, if nothing else, I this show just does so much for and such a good job. I think generally with representation of the LGBT characters that if they want to use the word lesbian because it sounds better in a joke one time, it's fine. I don't think it's like this trend of them being disrespectful to the LGBT community. So right, it's sure. just something that I try to be conscious of is because I know that it happens so much that, that bisexual people get just get erased. Plus, everything that gets said on the show gets circulated around fandom a billion times, you know, if you're on Tumblr or Twitter or anything. So I think it's one of those things where everything resonates more just because it does get circulated around a lot. There's a bit of an echo chamber, yeah. But also, I also think it's important to have these conversations you know, not that any of us are angry at the show or feel like they're doing a bad job representing people, but that this show more than any other has a two-way dialogue with their fan base. And that's kind of a mm-hmm. thing, right? Is like that we can all sit and have these conversations and know that some of it will filter back to the team, to the Orphan Black team, and that they kind of have a chance to hear from the community and people who sort of have these experiences and want you know, say things like, we want you to be mindful of this. We get that this is a joke and it's funny and we're glad, but these are things to think about. And I I think that two-way communication from the show to us and from us to the, the people creating the show that really elevates the level of entertainment, in my opinion. So I think it's really valuable to talk about these things. Because we do know from the puppy comment in the show, the repeated puppy comments of the show, we know they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're listening. It's sort of terrifying. I know I saw I know. stuff going around about Tatiana referencing pro punk and mm-hmm. John and Greg referencing soccer cops. So they're, they see stuff. I had a nice little chat with, um, OB Tumblr at San Diego Comic Con and they're, I'm so they're jealous. Hardworking folks. 
You know what? OB Tumblr's awesome. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I waited around after the meetup to like go over and shake hands and tell them how much I appreciate their work because they do great great work. They do. I agree. They really do. I totally have a crush on OB Tumblr. <laughs> As you should. As you should. Uh, they're just lovely human beings. And seeing them, seeing them working at the meetup and like at the at the NerdHQ panel, like all, they are taking photos and like you know, they're just always working. I mean, you can just see it. And and they're they care about the show and they care about um, sort of these stories that they're telling. And it's it's cool. It's really neat. They're our conduit, right? From from us to the show and from the show to us and. They really facilitate that dialogue, and that's really cool. I'm I'm a big social media person, so I'm fascinated by how Orphan Black has used social media for that two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. This is totally not even close to our topic of discussion today. <laughs> so there you go. Tangent. <laughs> it happens. It's fine. <laughs> so I guess let's let's talk about about Felix because we can't talk about LGBT representation on the show without talking about Felix. Yeah. And I just, like, continue to be almost shocked by the fact that Felix, we have Felix, who's a very kind of flamboyant gay man. And he had, there has yet to be, like, a very special episode in which Felix is discriminated against for being a flamboyant gay man. And it just makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Please, let's not ever write the after school special episode. Let's not do that. (laughs) It is, it is really, really nice. And the fact that, Felix, who, you know, by all accounts, maybe occasionally sells some drugs and is a rent boy and all that sort of thing. He is like the most stable character. <laughs> He's sort of like the the reliable character on the show. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is totally the anchor on the show. He is like the, the, the still point on the show where the clones can always come back to him and rely on him and count on him for, for his support. And his beautiful loss. I want that lot so badly. Oh my gosh, I know. It's pretty awesome. But I was super happy that we got kind of a, at least a prelude to Sexy Times with Felix and Colin this season. Yep. <laughs> that scene of Felix prepping for that date was excellent. Yes. Huge props I, to I, Jordan Gavaris. Well done, sir. Yes, I, I kind of wonder how much of that was kind of planned and how much they just kind of let Jordan do his thing. Cause I, I do love the moment where he's just standing in front of the, the mirror in his underwear and it's just kind of like, why can't I just wear this? I, mean, <laughs> I look good. <laughs> it's so true. Oh. Which he did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jordan versus is a very attractive young man. I really love how, he embraces that character, right? Like mm-hmm. the and all of the actors in this way, but but Jordan especially, right? He's he's so thoughtful and articulate, and and has really like inhabited this very flamboyant drug selling rent boy gay man, and that's that's huge, right? To do that and and be willing to to say here's this character, and he's this is exactly who he is, and if you have a problem with that, he doesn't really care, <laughs> and I think that's beautiful. But I also kind of love that. You know, the other characters don't have an issue with it either, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there was, a like, a moment from, what, Art and Angie, where they're kind of like, what? <laughs> but then they get over it. It's not a big deal. I like the, the line where uh, Tony goes, pretty gay by the looks of this place. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> accurate. How can you argue with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and, and I, I just, I feel like the other actors too, they, they strike like a really good tone when interacting with Felix. Like there, there was that moment this season where Felix was really drunk and Art had come over to check on him. And, you know, he's, Felix gets all flirty and like, Art, I, you know, I wasn't even accepting new clients. And then Art, you know, says, well, why don't you get your hand off my ass? And I feel like the way that Kevin Hancher could have delivered that line and it sounded kind of like he was disgusted by the fact that Felix was touching his bum. But the way that he did it, I felt was more just, dude, you're being ridiculous. You know, you're drunk. You need to sleep it off. It, it, it really wasn't about the fact that, you know, Felix was a gay guy hitting on him. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it was the, hey, friend, how about you stop doing that? <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was like Art was in dad mode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. I sort of love Art and Felix. They crack me up. Oh, my gosh. Not, they I were so great. I don't ship them at all, but I, I love no, no, them no. together so much. Like, <laughs> it just gives me great joy. Because Art is so no nonsense and not yes. doing any of his shit, and Felix is so sassy and Felixy, and just makes me really happy. That would be an excellent buddy comedy. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that I wanted to see this pairing, but I was so happy with the pairing. I was like, I would like to see more Art and Felix, please. There yep. a, there's a lot of that in this show where they'll just put two characters together, and you're like, Wow, I didn't know I needed that, but I needed that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, bring me all the fan fiction. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, they were just, they made a really, a really great pair. A really great pair. Yeah, they did. So I, I kind of wasn't, wasn't sure when Ramon showed up in, he was in the first episode, wasn't he, of the season? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, he comes and he delivers the gun in the flowers to, to Sarah. And he, he makes, he has that little, Lying to to Felix, he calls him Sailor or something like that. Am I right, Sailor? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But at the same time, we saw him being like super flirty with with Allison too, and so I thought Ramon was kind of interesting because it's like, okay, is this guy just kind of flirtatious because he's a salesperson essentially and, and helps him drum up business? Is he sexually fluid? I don't know. I don't really care. But I thought it was it was kind of an interesting take on a on a just kind of a one episode character. It's sort of not unlike Tony, sort of that same, like, I'm just going to flirt with everybody. <laughs> Flirting is fun. Just going to say. Flirting's a good time. <laughs> it is. So what, how about you, Dawson? What was your kind of impression of Ramon? Did you think he was being flirty with Felix? I think he was absolutely being flirty with Felix. The question is, right, like, was there, like, intent behind it? Because, like, okay. Actually, I made it, I one time posted on Tumblr, sometimes I identify more with the fact that Tony is a giant ass flirt. <laughs> than these trains. Um, because mm-hmm. flirting is fun, right? And I, it is. I, I kind of like, what I like about Ramon is this idea that it doesn't really matter, right? You kind of said it, Stephanie. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it's fun, right? It's fun to, to see him kind of play against Allison and play against Felix even just for those couple of seconds. It's, it's just a fun dynamic to play with and, and, um, who knows what his sexuality is. For all we know, he could be asexual and not interested in any of these people and he just has fun flirting. Right. It was funny to me is that I kind of got the impression from that couple of scenes, like, okay, if they brought Ramon back, they, they, he could maybe be a queer character. I think they left it, left it open for that if they wanted to. But my friend Melanie was like, nah, I didn't get that impression. But she will like swear to until she dies that the way that Cosima waves at Ramon 
when he shows up at the door is evidence that that Kasima is attracted to men. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like she was just being Kasima. <laughs> yeah, that was just, just sort of like, like a hey, hey there. <laughs> yeah, because that's what yeah. Kasima does. I'm sorry, yeah. Mal. I disagree with you. <laughs> I will send you Felix pictures and apology. <laughs> But I actually would love to see Ramon back. I enjoyed him quite a bit. I believe your comment when he first showed up was, if we can't have Colin back, can we at least have Ramon? Or was it Raj? Which It was Raj. Which of the cute if boys I can't have Raj, <laughs> did you... If I can't have Raj, can I please have Ramon? But they did not give me Ramon or Raj. I was very sad. But we did get Colin again, so... Yes. Yes. <laughs> and no one got him a towel. <laughs> Poor Colin. <laughs> That was a lot of lube. <laughs> it, I made this comment at one point, and I was shouted down by people, I think affectionately shouted down by people, that, like, that seems like excessive amount of lube. I'm just saying. <laughs> Depends on what you're doing. <laughs> I suppose. Fair enough. Fair enough. All the there time. are some things where there is no such thing as too much lube, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. I, I will say, um, while we're on the topic of it, <laughs> I like the explicitness of that scene, right? That, like, mm-hmm. the the fact that they show a guy, like, putting lube on his hands prior to a sex scene with another guy is pretty impressive for a show that is not, like, geared a queer show, right? Geared toward queer people. Right. Um, I, I just appreciated the, like, so often we... I think you guys have talked about this on previous episodes. So often we desexualize gay men in order to make it less mm-hmm. uncomfortable for people, I guess. Right. And they decided not to do that, and that made me really happy. Because, again, the whole thing with the show is that these are people, and these are their lives, and we're not going to, you know, leave out parts of their lives, which I appreciate. Yep. It's pretty nice. And I really loved how just fun that whole sequence was. Yeah. And especially in contrast to what we see between Rachel and Paul in that same episode, I love that when we get Felix and Colin, it's just like this really fun, flirty, sexy little scene. Totally agree. It's not like angsty or something like that. Or broody. No brooding. I've been rewatching Queer as Folk. So much of those sex scenes are so broody. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I also kind of wanted to to talk a little bit about Sarah in this episode. Mainly because I was I was kind of like I don't know why, but I, I was intrigued by the fact that we didn't get to hear her answer in, in the finale when the doctor people or the dyad people asked her, what is your sexual orientation? She doesn't actually, doesn't actually answer them. And uh, she also got to, sh- to share a little smoosh with Delphine at the beginning of the season. And, and I loved that that really didn't seem to phase her all that much. It was kind of awkward just because, you know, this is my sister's girlfriend kissing me but she wasn't like grossed out about it or anything like that and now i'm like kind of spinning stories of sarah's life before we met her and and i could totally see her maybe having a girlfriend for a time either as part of a con or just because you know she was kind of rebellious youth and i could see her maybe trying out having a a relationship with another woman so i don't know it's just got my imagination going for sarah your brain has fixated on this i can tell it has Ever since the finale question. It has. But at the same time, I like that she doesn't give an answer. Because I feel like they'd be counter counter to the spirit of the show in a lot of ways. Yep. I definitely think 
Sarah has experimented in her life. I have no idea how she identifies with that. I would have a hard time believing Sarah has never at least experimented with women or non-male individuals. (laughs) (laughs) Though I will say, if you've ever seen on Tumblr, like the slowed down version of the reaction to Sarah getting kissed by Delphine, it's pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. It is. There's like a weird... It's like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. But as she pulls away, there's sort of like a weird flinch in, in there. Just kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that is my weird, awkward verbalization of the picture of Sarah's reaction. Nice. I I sort of love the, like, I don't know, however however Tatiana Anna Maslany does her magic, right? You definitely get the impression that it's not that she's being kissed by a woman. It's that she's being kissed by her sister's girlfriend. And that's awkward. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's great. I love Do it. Do you think that, that Kasima knows that uh, Delphian smooched the wrong clone? I don't know. I have a feeling that Kasima's reaction would be to laugh. <laughs> I yeah. totally agree with that. <laughs> I don't think she'd be angry, but I'm just kind of curious if if, uh, if Delphine was like, oh, by the way. <laughs> Maybe Sarah has told her or will tell her. I assume they talked about it. Sometime after they talked about sacred geometry. Possible. You're the wild type. I like that. You propagate against all odds. You'll be fine. And then Sarah goes, by the way, you kissed your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, she kissed me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I read the conversation going. Yeah. And then Kasima dies laughing. Uh, not dies. That was a bad Kasima is alive and healthy. It's fine. <laughs> so is Delphine. So is Delphine, we should say. We don't think Delphine is dead. For a second, I thought your word choice was deliberate. And I was like, <laughs> it's like that's just, that's too much. And then you, anyway. Too soon. Too soon. That was accidental. Well, I guess we should ask you, Dawson. Do you think that the, the Delphine apparition, may, I guess, at the end of the Vision. Of the, finale the Delphine was, vision. Vision. Apparition also has go. too many connotations. Fair, fair, fair point. Do you think that was trying to indicate she was dead? No. I really... I... I you, you don't kill off a character like that. Like that. If, if you're going to destroy... Del, if you're going to kill Delphine, you're going to destroy Cosima, and you're going to do it on screen, and you're going to make it hurt. And it's going to be awful for yeah. all of us, right? Like, that's... Yeah. That's, I was going to say, you, you do it so you can take out fandom, too. Exactly. Yeah, right? You want to destroy your, your viewers with something like that. You're going to use that. If you're going to do that, you're going to use it to its fullest capability to destroy fandom completely. Don't do it, John and Graham. Don't do it. I, I, I also, I can't, I can't for a second imagine them doing it, right? They've, they've made enough commentary where they're like, why do the lesbians always die? Right? That, right. I don't think they're going to. I really appreciated that Graham Manson said that. It was on the Reddit AMA or something, right? Yes. Why do the lesbians always die? And then I like that he ended by saying, rest in peace, Tara. Yeah. I salute you, Graham Manson, for saying that. (laughs) Yes. I am still sad about Tara, too. (laughs) Aren't we all, though? Like, that's not a thing you get over. (laughs) No. And we got a message from uh, Euro324B21. LGB representation this season was on point yet again. Seeing Tony was awesome. I'm really excited they are bringing him back in season three. Sometimes we forget that the T is not just for show, since most trans individuals don't want to be known. They're integral to all of us as a community. 
I will say that every time I see somebody talk about how excited they are to see Tony in season three, my heart grows three sizes. Like, it's been amazing to see the fandom response to Tony. People are so excited about him and so they want more of him, right? And it's not just me. It's not just other trans guys. And that's really, really, really cool. So every time people say that, I just get so excited. So hopefully they'll bring him back and do good things. Well, and I'm kind of like, how can you not want more of Tony? He's so charming. I know, right? Right? <laughs> I kind of love that about him. And he has a silver too. He's so charming. It's so cool. <laughs> I liked that detail that they, they added. They had the silver tooth for Tony. Yeah. I assume he got one of his teeth knocked out in a fight. That's my head cannon. Though I will, I will say, and I, they may not do this. I, it, when he comes back in season three, I kind of wish he's changed his hairstyle a little bit. I, okay. I love Tony with long hair. I really do. I do too. I don't want to see the long hair go away. I do think Me either. they could style it differently. Yes. I would not complain. It's, mo- it's the mullets I don't care for. Yeah. I, I like him with the long hair, but I, it's, it's the mullet part that I'm not a huge fan of. So I hope they work on the hairstyle. I believe at some point you told me that you wanted them to do his hair like Aragorn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But then I was like, I think I misremembered Aragorn having that hairstyle. I think he does at some point, though. I think it's like maybe okay. at the end of um, Return of the King. Okay, okay. I guess more a, a more dominant image would maybe be like Legolas. Mm, mm-hmm. Do his hair more like Legolas. We just totally nerded out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um, I was talking about a piece of fan art I saw with his hair sort of pulled back in a small... It was like sort of two layers, right? So long on the back and with part of it pulled back in a small ponytail, right? With kind of Yeah, exactly. It, that is it, it what she's great. talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm in yeah. total agreement. I think it'd be great. I think there's stuff to explore there. Yeah. Um and hopefully with, with a lot of the feedback I don't know. I'm a I'll talk about this a little bit. It's really easy to hindsight armchair quarterback what creative people do right. or don't do. You're really mm-hmm. like making the best decisions you can make at the time in absence of any sort of feedback. Um, and so I hope, you know, they, they feel a little more freedom. So I think they were really trying to make his haircut very, very male with the awareness mm-hmm. that this was the first time they were introducing a trans character, that Tatiana was going to be playing him. Hopefully they'll feel a little freer to kind of play with his hair and, and do some fun. Um, I hope. That's my hope. Well, and I loved that at the Nerge HQ panel this year, one of the per- people who asked the question mentioned the fact that Tony had long hair and she said that she, she didn't know that a trans guy would wear his hair long. And I was just like, yes, that's why I'm happy that they had him have long hair because trans guys wear their hair all different ways, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a chance to address, I love when it gives us an opportunity to address bigger issues, right? Which are, are questions of like, I was talking to someone about this on Tumblr, you know, somebody said, cis men are allowed to have long hair, so why wouldn't a trans guy? And I said, yeah, that's true, and totally legit, and yes, absolutely, I want our world to be like that, but so many trans men feel like they have something to prove, because they've had to prove their gender, which is totally ridiculous and and sort of unfair. So it's great that these conversations happen and come up and give everybody a chance to talk about, to talk about those things, but it shouldn't matter if you have long hair. Why would it, right? (laughs) Style your hair however you want to. Enjoy your hair, please. (laughs) Though I will say for Tony, um, I, I can see an advantage of the mullet being I feel like that haircut really actually communicates a lot about the type of masculinity that Tony might have seen growing up. 
Mm-hmm. And so it does add a bit to fleshing out his backstory when they ha- didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. So I can see where the mullet would, would maybe be an advantage of that regard because it's like it's a very particular type of haircut. You know, not a lot of people still wear their hair that way. So I think it does set, uh, kind of add some more depth to his background. But I still wish they would explore different styles. <laughs> you know what we need? What we need is like um, Felix like being insistent that he be allowed to do Tony's hair in a way that he feels is appropriate. I'm in favor of that sort of like, like, oh, no, honey, let me fix your hair. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe Tony meets Allison and Kasima and Allison's like, hmm, <laughs> we should do something about this. <laughs> yes. I wrote a little headcanon on Tumblr about... Because a few people said, you know, what if, like, we think Allison would have a problem with this, not because she has a problem with trans people, but because she already struggles with sort of the identity stuff in terms of being a clone. And I was like, yeah, but what if she doesn't have any issue with it at all? And she just, like, mothers the heck out of Tony. Like, just, like, get your boots off the couch and, like, go wash your hair. Give me your clothes. I'm going to do your laundry. What's wrong with you? Don't smoke in my house. Like, I can just picture that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. They have this, like... (laughs) antagonistic like sibling thing that I just think would be great <laughs> but I could imagine both Allison and Felix maybe wanting to uh, change aspects of Tony's look we'll say that sure. so that could uh, that could actually be kind of a fun right. sequence of them like maybe wanting to try different clothes on him and, and things like that yep. clean him up <laughs> yeah for sure and your 324 B21 also mentions that they loved that Delphine kissed Sarah as Cosima at the mixer. There was no hesitation, no looking over her shoulder, just a kiss regardless of who saw. Season three can't come soon enough for this fan. And I agree. I really like that moment. Again, sort of highlighting the fact that Delphine doesn't really have an issue with the fact that Cosima's a woman. It's, it's more that she just didn't anticipate it happening, which I think is nice. It's a refreshing change of pace. So we'd like to thank Dawson again for coming and talking to us. And thank you for the various voicemails you've sent us. <laughs> My pleasure. And if you don't follow Dawson, go follow Dawson on Tumblr. If if you're Tumblr inclined at Geek Dawson. And please send us any feedback you have about this content. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can send us an email to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can also send us a voice message by clicking on the Send Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the website. You can also leave us a comment in the show notes at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 45. You can follow us on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. And we'd like to thank everybody who's left us reviews or ratings on iTunes and Stitcher and all that sort of thing. And this week, the Excess Lube was played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.